Hello everyone, welcome to Risk Roundup. It is a well-known fact that curiosity is as old as humankind. Now since research is formalized curiosity as new ideas and disruptive innovations bring a technological tsunami, it is important to understand where those new ideas are emerging and who is working on what. Progress and development that we see today has been a result of yesterday's research what research we do today will define our coming tomorrow. Since research is creating new knowledge, what better way to understand research trends than from a knowledge officer? To discuss emerging trends in research, I'm delighted to welcome one such knowledge officer, Tristan Robert Mente, to Risk Roundup. Tristan is a knowledge officer and a knowledge transfer officer, and in his prior role, he worked as European at the European Organization for Nuclear Research, better known as CERN. He's currently associated uh, very closely with many universities and organizations research initiatives. Welcome Tristan, we're honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you very much, I'm honored to participate. Wonderful Tristan, so with all the organizations you have worked with or are currently working, what research trends do you see broadly shaping in 2020? I believe that 2020 would be shaped by the combination of biological and chemistry science with computing-based application, the capability of a system uh, operating on machine learning to discover new molecules, new trends in the biological physiology and systems. I believe this combination is going to shape not only 2020, but the next decade to come. No, it seems like that. So when you say new molecules, where are we... What kind of research is going on and who is working on that research? So the research on new molecular systems is basically, basically uh, handled in the Massachusetts by the leading uh, universities, Harvard and MIT, where you have several uh, research groups who are working on combining computing science and nanotechnology to discover new combinations between existing molecules to discover like, new compounds, new materials, but also to discover, to discover new pathways in the gene interaction to better understand our own bodies. Yes, very true. And those new nanomolecules, I mean, we can, uh, there are many applications that could emerge from that, you know, for creating stronger, you know, materials and, you know, lighter, you know, materials. And uh, we can uh, have more particles that can help us, you know, with our... Uh, uh, research in you know, creating uh, healthcare solutions. So there is there are many applications that could emerge. So uh, when you said before you said you know in your answer you said machine learning also there are a lot of advances happening and we know that many universities and even many corporations are working on you know machine learning applications and that uh, ranges from you know for financial industry to you know many other industries. So what advances? In machine learning, you think are eye-catching or, you know, something that are going to be very transformative for our coming tomorrow. And where do you see those advances emerging? So I believe I see advances first, as I said, in uh, computing simulations. So the ability of a system to uh, simulate interaction between two compounds, two uh, bulk of data to actually create something new, something who completely escaped the human mind. Just because a system 
uh, based on machine learning won't have the same limitation as a human mind when it comes to um, creating a map of interactions or potential overlap between systems. Uh, I also see a big advance uh, of machine learning in the defense industry when it comes to what they call tactical awareness. So the ability of a system to project itself in an environment and to see what happened, what could happen, and to predict the next move of environmental hazards around it. Oh, that would be so very, you know, uh, so much essential, you know, for us to be able to achieve that. But the point that you made about human-to-human uh, -human interaction, the molecule-to-molecule, -molecule, you know, and the brain science research uh, or the machine learning, you know, molecule, we can, you know, without... Uh, are, are you talking about where we will not need brain-computer interface? Are you talking about brain-to-brain -brain interface uh, advances that are happening? So that could advance the neuroscience, that could advance, you know, mind control technologies. Is that what you are seeing? Mind control, I think we are very far from it just for one big reason is the human mind, even at the state of the art today, is mostly unknown on the way it works. The biochemistry happening in the brain is still largely uh, unaccounted for and unknown. We mostly know the structural uh, data of the brain, the structure of the brain, the way the neurons interact. So I think machine learning will be able to actually create um, new opportunities to understand how neurons uh, are activated and potentially to see new um, new opportunities to overlap it with our own brain activity to create something new. But the brain control, mind control, I believe I, we will not see this for like decades yet. I see, I see. Now I understand that. Now the brain-to-brain -brain interaction, are, we are the organizations or the research institutes or researchers, scientists who are working on that, are they trying to create telepathic uh, advances of communication or is there some other, you know, goal behind, you know, the research that is going on? I think that this type of research has been carried for decades now, but recently some universities funded by DARPA actually create, found a way to transfer a very small amount of information from a brain to another, but it was more um, sensation, feelings actually, uh, information more than real rational information. It wasn't someone saying, for example, uh, plane and the other person hearing plane. It was more transferring a sensation to one person to another. I see. So did they use, what was the medium to transport, uh, transfer those thoughts? Uh, it was an invasive brain implant. I see, I see, I see. So, I mean, we all know about entanglement, right? I mean, uh, human to human entanglement is also a reality. If you see, uh, I have been re doing research on these, you know, energy fields and uh, entanglement and quantum entanglement. And it's very fascinating because I was just thinking, telling a friend, you know, uh, recently that uh, if you see the dogs or, you know, a lot of animals, even if they're isolated, you they and you don't teach them anything that their species, you know, normally do. In spite of that, they still figure out, you know, what needs to be done. And that knowledge comes because of that energy field that is around us. And, you know, if other dogs, you know, or other animals are uh, miles away, but they do certain things, these dogs somehow, you know, can, you know, sense that. 
and they learn those things so there the, there are a lot of you know there's also some research going on in that direction and it's very fascinating because it shows the entanglement of you know all the lives you know mm-hmm. not just you know humans but animals and that how all are connected and it would be very interesting to see where the research takes us but uh, talking about your uh, and the, of course the research that you just talked about you know from darpa that is also very uh, you know fascinating and i look forward to seeing the results because it would advance so many fields you know uh, if we are able to you know achieve that com- communicate through our minds only without any barriers and without any you know use of any phones or any other applications or computers it would be so good you know to be able to communicate and uh, you know advance further as a species but when you work at cern let's let's talk about you know mm-hmm. uh, your experience there from what i have read that from material science to computing particle physics to energy fields there is a lot of you know advances happening there so what progress did you see at cern and other organizations when we talk about uh, material science or computing we we just talked about you know machine learning but there are also many other you know fields of computing that are advancing rapidly you know and uh, dna uh, molecular computing you know dna computing all those areas are also there's a lot of research going on so and if we talk about sun then particle physics and you know they they have made a lot of advances so what progress uh, stayed with you when you were working there at sun that you find yeah. it going to be very transformative for the human species so i believe the main and the closest technology to be developed and who is currently in development at CERN is actually the uh, what they call the high temperature superconductors which is superconductive materials who don't require a high amount of uh, cooling to actually work which ma- would make actually this anti gravity and uh, maglev technology available pretty much everywhere because we would not need actually to bring the system to a very cold cold, uh, cold temperature to do it that would be probably the main and closest technology in development right now so how do you uh, it helping the industry research and the applications that could develop because of that it could develop uh, more like uh, application in um, space exploration for example by creating um, um coating around the plane or on spacecraft who could uh, propel it faster so making it able to go faster from a point to another during um, a space travel it could also invent um advance uh, medical research biomedical research by creating uh, better mris like magnetic resonance imaging so we would get better imaging and then ultimately better uh, data to work on in the medical field yes that would definitely you know if we have better equipments then we will get uh, better clarity of what is happening inside the human body and that could definitely advance uh, medical science now you mentioned before that there are also a lot of advances happening in machine learning uh, that you saw you know harvard and you know other places the what kind of data sets that they are using for you know advancing the machine learning what are the, are they publicly available or they have, these are all proprietary data data sets that they are working with now every data set uh, used at cern okay. is available for the large public because cern has been one of the first promoters of uh, open source and believe that science and technology are about dissemination not about patenting and um pay paywalls let's say so 
every data set CERN is using is available to the large public. Good, I'm glad to hear that. Now, at CERN, do you know anyone who is working on energy fields? Is there any uh, research going on there? No, I don't believe so, especially because since the discovery of the Higgs boson uh, in 2011, actually, we really focused on going deeper in the particle comprehension. So yes, yes. right now it's more about still particle hunt and comprehension of the particles we already discovered. Yes, yes, definitely. The Higgs boson is, is just a god particle, such a huge you know, moment. And uh, there is so much that uh, we can learn based on that. And of course, you know, there are a lot of people afraid also about the uh, you know, tunneling and that what could happen, you know, if uh, we are right on the edge and that, you know, we could, the human species could, uh, you know, not survive if uh, there is a slight imbalance, you know, in that quantum vacuuming and uh, all that. So there is a, there is a lot that uh, CERN can, you know, uh, help us understand better for what kind of strategic security risks are coming our way so that we could be prepared. We can, you know, hopefully create some solutions if uh, it's within our power. So that is a fascinating research. So other than CERN, what other organizations do you work in and uh, what, uh, you know, kind of research the, that is going on with uh, those organizations? So I work mostly with the um, University of Geneva and uh, now I start working with the University of Waterloo in Canada, but still on the note, professional basis, so I'm not exactly at the liberty to talk about what I'm doing here in Waterloo. So, but with University of Geneva, I mostly work to find common points between neuroscience and particle physics, mostly in um, ion transfer and in um, neuroimaging. So that was mostly the bulk of what I was doing. Where, where would that research take? What kind of applications can emerge from that? So it's mostly to better understand um, the electrical current and the energy um, transportation through the synapses and the neurons, mapping this type of transfers to better understand how the information goes to one part to another in the brain, to understand how a thought, for example, could be formed. So these are more brain mapping, uh, you know, studies that are going yes. on to understand all different neurons, you know, what role it plays and how they, you know, transfer yes. happens. And Most of certain medical applications are based on imaging because of the huge experience of uh, the physicist in this, field, in this field. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, as far as the AI goes, I mean, you talked about machine learning, but uh, have do we, are you associated with any organization that are working... Uh, on uh, autonomous, you know, systems, uh, and uh, is uh, there anyone? Is there any research going on that if any system becomes autonomous, how do we shut it off? If there is a need to shut it off, I believe that if a system had to become autonomous, and I don't see it happening for several decades yet because of the limitation of the current systems and databases, I believe it would be probably from emerging from the defense industry. So where I don't have that many inside just because of closed doors, of course. Of course. So, but yes, if an autonomous system had to emerge, I would see emerging from a defense contractor project, probably. Yes. No, I mean, uh, this is uh, also about uh, autonomous system not just going becoming autonomous on its own, uh, but also how all the different algorithms from all across nations, how they could interact with each other and uh, what 
where could that interaction take us if that uh, interaction starts happening between algorithms so any any idea if anybody is working on that mm, no especially because when it comes to uh, ai systems yeah. machine learning countries are really protective about it so we can see that we all have calls for collaborations and partnerships between, between nations but ultimately we have huge goals still between. So the collaboration like this, open collaboration is far from existing yet. Yes, no, I understand that. Uh, and uh, there is a need to be you know, productive about such research. Uh, so true. it's totally understandable. So on, based on your journey of the, as a knowledge transfer officer, which knowledge transfer excited you most as you, you, know, you have worked with you know, so many organizations? Sorry, can you repeat? As... I mean, there are many different kinds of knowledge transfer happening. And in your journey as a knowledge transfer officer, which kind of, uh, what knowledge transfer that you have done that has excited you most and that you feel is going to benefit, you know, not only basic, you know, research advances, but mm -hmm. basic science advances, but also, you know, many applications that could emerge from that. So, so I think my... Favorite application that I transferred at CERN was a system, uh, machine learning system developed for the particle accelerator, who would be able to take um, a section of um, an accelerator part and be able to actually point autonomously defects and issues on actually the picture for the people to actually, for the teams to be able to repair. And this technology could be adapted very easily to the medical field. And for example, to pinpoint tumors or lesions on um, on an organ, on the skin, probably like on blood vessels. So this technology has been invented as a pure maintenance tool, but could have application to, to protect people from cancer or from uh, um, degenerative disease in the future. That's very exciting. That's that's really good. So, uh, the medical those applications have them be commercialized, or they are still into the development phase. It's still a development phase. At CERN, yes. I was mostly um, involved in research collaborations, so not commercial partnership per se, but more finding a technology at CERN, finding an industry interested, and seeing how we could work on adapting the technology or the knowledge to the industry. So anybody uh, particular in CERN who is working on uh, entanglement? Quantum entanglement? Uh, entanglement. <coughs> it would be mostly uh, the section at CERN called um, CERN Open Lab, where who became recently part of the IBM network um, for quantum computing. And they worked mostly on the algorithm part of quantum computing. So I believe that it also cover partly entanglement formulas and um, equations. So in quantum computing, what are the advances CERN has made? I mean, are they developing uh, any specific uh, research? You know, are they working on any specific research problem or? They no, just, you know... CERN actually doesn't develop quantum computers. CERN has been uh, using the very cutting edge technologies developed for the partic uh, particle accelerator to improve the hardware for other companies. For example, we used our cryogenics, uh, cryogenics uh, knowledge to improve quantum computers at IBM, for example. We have been acting mostly as a provider of new technologies for quantum computing manufacturers. Got it, got it. So, uh, and 
what are the technologies, hardware techno- technologies that they are developing that could advance the space exploration further? Propulsion system, superconductivity at, an, at higher level could actually act as a um, propulsion system for spacecraft, a clean one, more powerful one with a better um, sustainability, meaning that we could fly a spacecraft for longer, faster, and without uh, any harm for the environment. That's one. There is also several research carried in using particle pro- uh, propulsion, but that's really, really early stage. Yes, yes, I hear you. So uh, are they uh, developing any hardware that would advance? Uh, you said that they are developing the better MRI, you know, uh, machine, so with a better, you know, resolution. But are they developing any other uh, hardware technology that could advance the industries from healthcare to, you know, nanotechnology to biotechnology to uh, defense technologies? Uh Yes, I believe there is like several hardware in terms of material science who could have actually used all across the board of type of industry, mostly because the materials developed uh, at CERN, they are very um, strong and very adaptive because they have to, uh, to sustain the discharge of a particle accelerator, of course. So it means that they can sustain the takeoff of a spacecraft, of the fight of a jet fighter, of a plane. They can also act for submarine application because they can resist a lot of pressure. But I think material science would be probably the most like global type of application. I see. I see. I hear you. So, um, is there any specific question that you think CERN is more interested in? Uh, other, I mean, of course, they're working on the Higgs boson, the God particle that they have, you know, developed, and there are there's going to be further, you know, research. Uh, that they are planning on that. I read about that. So that path is very clear where they are going. But other than that, any other specific questions that they are working on that they want to solve? Or, I mean, I, I we broadly talked about that they are into developing hardware and, you know, how those uh, developing uh, hardware and other, you know, uh, solutions are going to broadly help the industries and uh, the human species. But Anything specific, any specific question that concerns them that for the strategic security of the human species, for the human civilization that they are working on? I think most of the researchers in machine learning at CERN are part of um, committees and uh, research group on the the future of AI, for example, the future of um, state surveillance, just because CERN is an absolute non-military actor. So most of the researchers there are trying to find solutions to keep most of the technologies in the civilian uh, realm. So for the future of AI, where do you see it going? Where do they see it going, rather, son? Well, I, I believe that they would see it coming, unfortunately, a lot in defense and the security um, purposes. But in their hope, the ideal would be to keep the, the core of AI research in the hand of civilian application for like non-military, so medical, chemistry, probably like um, space exploration. I see, I see, I hear you. So uh, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners, especially about uh, the research in your community that they are, what they're working on and where, you know, they could, uh, you have done a lot of collaborations work, you know, uh, that was one of your uh, job, you know, that you, at CERN, you know, we're doing that to do the collaborations with the research community. 
where do you see the collaborations need to happen uh, especially you know if you are talking about the cern you know uh, and the collaborative scientists uh, and science research community that is all across nations so we really need more collaboration between industry and academia in uh, very basic science but also in applied science so not only quantum chemistry for example but new materials development because if we want to deliver the next generation of computing platforms medical devices gene therapy we really need to increase the collaborations between academia where most of the biggest mind and researchers are an industry where the money and the capability of development is we still find a lot of obstacles between the two and we really need to actually entangle the two to to create something new and fast for the next decade yes very true now especially uh, when you just mentioned gene therapy what is the status on that uh, what are the advances happening you know in research in gene for gene therapy I think the main uh, advancement have started in 2015 when two researchers find, found this new gene editing technique called CRISPR-Cas9, and we are. Like, I think the research community is still on researching how to use it in a non-harmful way. So some trials have been made, but it's still very limited in terms of application. Right, right. That, that is very true. So no, no specific. Uh, applications have emerged of uh, the gene editing gene therapy where we can actually cure diseases have we made advances to target any specific disease that yes using yes, yes. therapy okay the us actually um, published uh, published uh, in the last days actually the result of trials for lung cancer and it's very promising with a very high level of success rate so they hope to actually pursue the gene editing Uh, research to uh, counter the metastasis and the cancer development in the body. Yeah, I'm glad to know that that's uh, really good progress. And uh, any other than the lung cancer, any other uh, diseases that are being experimented with at the moment? Mostly other for orphan disease and genetic disease, because those diseases are embedded in our genome, and gene editing could help potentially uh, cleanse our gene code and remove. the genes responsible for a pathology we inherit from our ancestors yes very true very true those, those will be good to you know solve those and you know eradicate a lot of those diseases so yeah. uh, we don't uh, have a large population with you know chronic diseases uh, that would be a really good advancement so thank you so much distant for participating thank you very much we appreciate your thoughtful insight on research trends and our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the information you share not only at what research is being done at cern but also at some other organizations and your broad assessment about the industry so this is kind of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that thank you very much wonderful tristan so risk roundup a global initiative launched by risk group is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies technology convergence and transformation happening across cyberspace aquaspace geospace and space we at risk group believe that risk management security and peace they walk together hand in hand though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict risk management is related to uh, management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict and it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two all three concepts fit into each other we believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain 
until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or listen to the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.